by fostering biblical community, joining Jesus on mission, and practicing intentional care. And we've been going through a, a series, this is the last, where we will be looking at care. Uh, so we've already looked at uh, community and we've looked at mission. Um, the way that I, I sort of think and uh, interpret the mission statement is, you guys remember those viewfinders when you were kids, right? They, you press the button and then a new scene just like pops in place, right? And it, it takes you places. It shows you like these majestic African animals, right, that you've never seen before. Or uh, it takes you to like, I don't know, the Sistine Chapel. And, uh, but, but you press it, right? And before your eyes is this scene. And, and if you're, when I was a little kid, right, I would, I would begin to focus on the different layers, right? And, and I began to notice that as you like stacked up the layers, that's what gave the image depth. That's what made the image complete. That's what showed you what was really going on was, was all the, this combination of, of different distinct elements that, that gave you this illusion of being in a new place that, uh, showed you something you had never seen before with your eyes in that moment. And I think of uh, our vision statement a lot like that, that as we focus on community, as we focus on uh, mission, and as we focus on care, what we're doing is we're just training our eye to look at the layer in the viewfinder. But when we let our eyes go normal, what we see is a complete picture of something. What we see is, is, is this... Um, is a scene that just looks pretty neat. We see, uh, we see a heavenly embassy that inhabits a foreign land. We, we see a living temple that walks and breathes and sings. Or we see the carpenter's body resurrected and filling the earth with his fruits and his beauty and his might. And so what I want us to do today is we're going to focus on, again on another one of those layers in the viewfinder that, that shows this complete picture of care. But I want us to always keep that in our mind, that what we're actually seeing when you blend it all together, when community and mission and care, when they, when they fuse together into a single image, what we are beholding is nothing other than a miracle. It is nothing other than God's kingdom here on earth. It's nothing other than God's church. And so in order to look at care today, we're going to be in Revelation 22. That's the, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. So if, uh, as your Revelation 22, 1 through 5, if you would uh, stand as you are able uh, for the reading of God's holy word. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. There will be no lamp, light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat and let's pray.
Lord, let this vision of our future be fuel for today. Let it stoke the flame in our hearts of our living sacrifice. And let the aroma of that sacrifice be the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Revelation 22, after all the trumpets, after all the, uh, uh, the, the bowls, right? All, after all the lights and after all the lampstands, John is given a glimpse of eternity. He is, he is transported, or so he sees a city descending. It's a perfect square. It's also a temple. Um, so he sees it descending. And in the middle, he sees the water of life, the tree of life, and the throne of God, and the face of God, and the light of God, and the worship of God. That's what Paul or John sees for eternity. He sees the end for which we, each of us was created. He sees us to drink of that water and to eat of that fruit and to bow low before that throne and to be loved by that face and to sh- and shine in that light and to sing those songs. That is the eternity that John is seeing. And as we gather here to anticipate that day and, and sip this drink, right, and eat or nibble this bread, and we sit in this place, and we behold in these faces the reflection of God's love, and as we fumble forward in the light of this dawn, and as we stammer out these songs that we've sung this morning, I think we should feel an incredible sense of longing that, that we haven't gotten to our end just yet. Our longing is derived from a heightened awareness that today is not that day. And I, I mean, like as you're reading it, doesn't it accost you, right? Doesn't it just, just shout at you that the tree isn't here, that I haven't drunk from that water. I haven't eaten those fruits. The water, the tree, the face, they're not here. And I want them to be here. And I think John in the spirit was struck by this, this same longing, the same realization. And his words point to it. He, he makes a stark contrast between the present reality of this vision that he has seen. And he gives us three little nuggets of longing. Three little nuggets. If you look at verse 2, right, we, we read that the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And we understand that the nations are sick that the nations are wounded, that the nations need healing. We, we read in verse 3 that by the river and the tree there will no longer be anything accursed. Not a thing will be accursed. And, and we understand that all of creation is now cursed because of the fall and sin and evil dwells among us. And we read in verse 5 that there will, uh, that there will no longer be any more night. No more night. And we understand that there is a kingdom of darkness that does the work of the devil and holds humans in bondage. And I think what we call care here at Remedy is is birthed from this longing, this realization that there are things in this world that are not as they should be. That, That there is this longing and there's this vision of our future 
And we know that's what we were created for. But the way we experience this world is we, we are accosted by the fact that we aren't there yet. We see pain. We see the curse. We see the night. And the tension that we feel between the present uh, heavenly reality, right? This is, this is true in heaven right now. We have the river, the tree, the throne, the face, the light, and our earthly reality, the wounds, the curse, and the night. We, we have this longing to bear witness to the world, right? That this heavenly reality is true. That, that, that the wounds and the curse and the night are not the final word of our existence. That that's not all that there is for us as humanity. That there is more. We want to testify that Jesus came. And that as Isaiah 64, 1 through 4 puts it, and as Jesus himself quotes one Saturday in his hometown of Nazareth in Luke 4, right? This is what Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 says. And, and Jesus quotes this in synagogue and says, this is about me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now this is what Jesus did. And it is what Jesus is doing. And it is what Jesus will continue to do. And the question is, are you ready for this mission? Are you willing to answer this call? Are you going to join him? Do you want to be, fully tr be a fully trained disciple so that you can be just like your teacher, Jesus? So this morning, right, that, that's our vision, right? That's our vision. We see what Jesus has done. We've, we've been captivated by the beauty of eternity. And so now we're going to, to look together at what practicing intentional care might look like in light of what Jesus came to do and the promise of heaven. How do we practice intentional care like our teacher Jesus did? And to do that, we're going to explore it under those three headings, those three things that I pointed out, those three longings from Revelation 22. The healing of the nations, reversing the curse, and shining light into darkness. Now, each of these sections, I'm, I'm going to have an example from the life of Jesus that I think uh, is sort of typical of, of how we should look at, at, at these headings. And then we're going to explore in a really non-exhaustive way some applications that we can, that we can go out and do uh, in light of, of what we see in the scriptures. And uh, it, again, like as we're looking through the viewfinder, right, what this is going to show us is what the church is, right? The church is. So our uh, healing the nations, that's our first point. 
healing the nations. Uh, we're going to Matthew four twenty three through 25. So this is early on in Jesus's ministry, and he is literally healing people. Matthew four twenty three through 25. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan." So I think um, one way to look at this, right, there's a lot of things on this list, and, and we would describe many of them as physical ailments, and some of them as mental ailments, uh, at, at least today. But what I want us to see is that Jesus heals both physical and mental and, and, and spiritual wounds. Spiritual wounds. So there's five quick, uh, I think, applications here under healing the nations. Uh, the first, I think, is an application of attitude, right? I, wa- I want you to, to, to have this attitude in yourselves of pursuing the sick and the wounded, right? I think in, in culture where uh, right, um, wealth and status and things and might and power are things that are highly valued in our culture, um, that having an attitude to seek out the person who is lost, to seek out the person who is hurting, to seek out the person who needs a friend, to intentionally seek out opportunities to be agents of healing to the hurting around you is something that we have to try hard at because it doesn't come naturally. And so I would ask you to ask the Lord to fill you with compassion and empathy for others that seeks to see people long enough, to see them long enough to know how they hurt, to be around them enough, pursue the sick and the wounded. The, the second here is to seek your own spiritual healing. I, I know this, this may sound, hey, we're, I thought we are talking about care for others. Why are you talking about care for yourself? Well, uh, so it, it's self-centered, but it's not. So listen how Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. So 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. So the reason we're seeking our own healing is so that we can become equipped, so that we can become experienced in, so that we can become agents of spreading the healing that Christ has done in our own hearts to the other people in our world who need it. And so this means that we get down to brass tacks with ourselves and ask ourselves really hard questions, right? We don't let ourselves take a pass on things. We, we, we go into where we hurt and, and where we form patterns of thinking and acting uh, contrary to God's uh, will and God's word in response to those hurts within our own hearts, 
we, we ask ourselves, what lies am I currently believing about God and others that I need to confess and repent of? Lies that I be, have believed and acted like they were true for so long that I just attributed to them to my personality, right? Oh, I'm just that way. And, and, and we, we fail to understand that what's really going on is that we have been hurt in some way. We have responded to that hurt in such a way that we reject God and God's plan for our lives and pass it off as, oh, that's just how I act. That's, that's just how I think. That's, that's just my personality. We can't accept that from ourselves. And those people close to us and those that we love, we have to tell them that they can't accept that from us either. That, that our healing, our healing is, is so important for our ability to be agents of healing for others, for us to give the comfort with which we have been comforted to others. And so once we've unearthed and reopened our own wounds that have led to lies and sins, uh, we work through true healing with Jesus and his church. True healing. We turn to our Savior in prayers, right? Because oftentimes our, our hurts and our wounds take time and effort and again and again and again going to God to be saved. Because there will be many prayers. And, and in addition to the prayers, right, we speak to our elders or to those trusted people in our lives so that they can aid us in our healing through the hands of Jesus. We, we work on our own spiritual healing. Uh, the, the third one here is we prepare for the mess, right? It's going to be messy when you start getting into people's wounds because it hurts, right? And people lash out and people don't know what to do. And people have, have spent so much time covering them over with veneers and systems and philosophies that it, it can feel oftentimes that worlds crumble as you uh, press into them. So come in low. Stay humble. Understand, right, that, that any healing that you have received has not been from your own hand. It's not been from your own might. It's not been under your own power. It's been by the grace of God. And so be patient with those who hurt. Be patient and long-suffering with those who have been wounded. Seek the work of the Spirit and rely on Him to do the healing. At best, right, we are just like a syringe, And we get poked into somebody's skin and the Holy Spirit works through us and delivers the cure. That's at best what we are. We're just a tool. And so know that, that the most potent healing and cleansing and restoring agent that ever was, is, and ever will be is the Holy Spirit, not you. And so you can have bold confidence to be present with people. You can have bold confidence to speak truth to people. Because the Spirit of God will do his work. And that's the the next application here is trust God to do the healing. And forget taking responsibility on yourself for that. God has called you to be present, to be aware, to pray, and to speak the truth. Everything else is in his hands. Now, I've talked almost exclusively about spiritual, mental, right, healing here. But remember that our bodies matter too. Our bodies matter too. Help those stricken with illness. Support those on cancer journeys. Aid in those recovering from surgery. Assist the elderly. And more. There's tons of other ways that people's bodies physically matter. And we should care for them. 
you know, Jesus tells this, this parable to his church. And it's a judgment day. And he has the goats and he has the sheep. He turns to the, the sheep on his right and he says, When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Um, and so our bodies matter. Our bodies are not insignificant. There's not, uh, I just need to focus on spiritual healing for people, but, but we can feed Jesus Christ. Our bodies matter. That's Matthew uh, 25, if you want to read that later. So that is, um, that is heal the nations. So now uh, reverse the curse. That's point two. Um, our next episode comes from Luke 8, 22 through 25, when Jesus undid a storm. So uh, if, if maybe you remember right, uh, one day he got into a boat. This is verse 22 of Luke 8. Uh, with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, because he's tired. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger, so they could all die. Um, And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there, there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? And, like, I always want to say, um, Jesus, right? Like, he's been in the boat with you sleeping. You've been hanging out with him for a while. Clearly, you know his name. Um, but seriously, uh, I'm not sure if big storms are part of the curse, right? I don't know if hurricanes, tornadoes, Huge storms are a part of the curse. But I know that dying from them is. Dying from them is. And um, what Jesus definitely is doing is he is saying the curse has no dominion here with me. And he is, he is protecting his disciples from the storm. He is saying no curse, not today. And what we can learn from, we can learn from this. We can learn from this, right? So they were just doing normal, everyday person stuff, but the hardship of life was just getting to them. The, the hardship that, that the curse has brought into this world um, was, was, was threatening their very lives. Um, we're not, we don't all have that, right? This is an example here, but, but I think one way that we can think about this is there's two. There's two that I want us to think through, right? So it's just like, just like the hardness of life, right? Um, the, the threat of, of the curse uh, shipwrecking our, our lives. The first is to practice hospitality. That's the application I want us to see. Now, um, I think hospitality is basically about helping someone understand they are among family right? It's, it's giving them a home. It's giving them a place to be. It's, it's um, uh, giving them the knowledge that they are loved, that they are welcomed, and that they have a place to be. And so immediately, I, I think when most of us think about hospitality, we think about bringing someone into our home, the place where we live, right? We feed them a meal. We help them feel welcome. This is the first part of it and is an important part of of what we should think about when we think about hospitality. We, we want to invite people into where we live. 
Let them be part of our lives. Be present for them and with them so that they know that they are welcomed and loved and known. But there is also a a second part. um, And that's a part of bringing home out into the world with us. Bringing a sense of belonging and and home and safety and haven. Uh, We can do that in all sorts of situations and among all sorts of people. Right? Uh, We can do it at work. We can do it in the clubs that we're a part of, or the classes that we're attending, or the informal friend groups, or the formal friend groups. We can, we can bring a sense of belonging, and a place of home, and a place of safety to all of the world as we go about our lives. There, there is someone I know in everybody's sphere of influence who seems like they're uh, maybe not as uh, connected to other people. Who, who maybe feel like they, they don't have a place for them. And what we can do as a church is we can go out and be hospitable to that person and invite them in. We can give them a place to be. We can help them be known and loved and cared for. And, and uh, a, a similar way, right, is a lot of times in, in life, this is another form of hospitality, is the transitions can be hard. Right, like moving to a new place, uh, getting a new person into your family, right, having a baby, or um, uh, you know, um, other transitions uh, can be, you know, like a, a elderly family members moving in for you to take care of them, somebody getting really sick, and somebody having to stay home. These transitions can be some of the times where we feel the weight of life, where everything is just so that it just never stops. And, and one way that at Remedy we have done this, right, is we bring meals to people in transition. That's good, right? That is an excellent thing for us to be doing. But there's other things that people need in transition, right? They, they, need, um, they need friendship. Sometimes they need their house cleaned, right? There, there's tons of different things that we can be doing for people in, in transition. And that, uh, too, is practicing hospitality. Uh, the... the Final application here of reversing the curse is to speak encouragement. Um, life is hard. I mean, there's so many good things about life, and life is great, but also life can be hard, right? There can be things that overwhelm us, that, that shock us, that, that we have to process and deal with, and everyone needs to hear something that builds us up. So First uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another, and build one another up just as you are doing. So I would encourage you to be that person who speaks that word to the person who needs it. Look and help somebody focus their gaze on Christ, right? Someone who's like, oh man, this, is, this pile of things is overwhelming me. Go to that person and be to them someone who reminds them of their hope. Remind them that this mess does not define them. Draw their attention to heavenly realities and bring their mind to where Christ is seated. Love them. Encourage them. Be there for them. Our last thing here is shine light in darkness. That's our third point, and that comes from uh, verse 5. And here we'll be looking in John 4 and the episode of of, uh, Jesus with the woman 
at the well. It's, it's lengthy, so I won't, I won't kind of read it all. I'll just kind of sample here. But basically, Jesus is at a well, and a Samaritan woman comes up to him, and he asks for a drink of, of water. He's by himself. His disciples have gone into town to buy food. And then the Samaritan woman is confused because Jews and Samaritans, they don't like each other. And, and Jesus says this in verse 10, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it was or who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Uh, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So she gets a little salty with them, right? Um, who do you think you are? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water of life that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus shares the gospel with her, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone who comes to me shall never thirst or be hungry again, right? And so she says, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw the water. So she doesn't understand. Like, she thinks Jesus is actually talking about the water from the well, not, not his own life. And so Jesus uh, speaks some truth to her. He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Right, and so uh, what we see here, I think, um, because Jesus is so kind, uh, I don't think we understand like the social awkwardness that this would be. Right, like if imagine you're in this situation and you're one on one with another person. You said, "Hey, go get your spouse," and they say, "I have no spouse." And then uh, you say to them, um, "Right," as Jesus does in verse seventeen, "You are right in saying I have no husband." For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. I would never say that to someone, right? <laughs> even, even if I knew that, that would just make things so awkward, right? Um, but Jesus does, right? Jesus does. Jesus does not shy away from confronting people with sin. He doesn't shy away. Uh, now, I, I, think, I think it is super clear that Jesus loves this woman. He loves her, right? And he says, if, if you ask, you can have the water of life. And so that's, that's our first point here, is we, we, we should speak the truth in love. It is okay to call sin, sin. It is okay to call it on the carpet to somebody's face. You shouldn't gloss it over. You shouldn't avoid it because it makes situations weird. But you can do it and still come across as someone who deeply cares for them, right? Who loves them. And when you do, I mean, there's the rest of the story, but she hears that and she responds the right way, right? She understands the love of this prophet, this love of this Messiah, and she becomes one of the first evangelists. In the book of John, she goes and tells her whole city about this man who told me everything about everything I had ever done. Or I think that's close to what she says. 
And so we can speak the truth in love. We, we shouldn't gloss over sin. We shouldn't hide it. But we should be able to speak to one another in such a way that we communicate deep care and respect and love for someone and still be clear about their sin. Still be clear about how they need to change. Still be clear uh, about sin. We can speak the truth in love. The, the second application here is confess your own sins. Right? Be humble and confess your own sins. John, or 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This kind of goes back up to healing the nations, right? Um, where uh, to walk in truth, we need to be regular confessors. We need to be uh, people who, who are upfront about our sins. We don't hide them. We, we, we don't um, keep them out of the light. We bring them to the light because uh, God already sees it. All you're doing is playing a game, right, for the world around you. You're trying to keep up appearances. You're trying to keep up an image. God knows all of your sins. And if you want to be healed from your sins, if you want to change, confession is a key part. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, the third application here is look for areas to be light in the world. So, we, you know, we, we, we've, right, we've talked a lot about the personal darkness within, um, right, for shining the light in the darkness, talking, uh, speak truth to, you know, a neighbor, or, uh, you know, can focus on, on your own heart. But, but there are areas of the world that are just dark, right? There are systems of living that are, are sick, um, so, so, you know, you, you think about this, like human trafficking, right? Uh, uh, abandoned children, um, uh, racism, uh, 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 government created inequality, right? And poverty, um, systems where, where they are inherently evil and dark and wicked. And so, uh, we can, as Christians, press into these areas and bring light to them, right? We can, we can uh, create our own institutions, our own systems, our own uh, cultures, right, that fight these and destroy them and dismantle them and, and create safe places for people to be. Now, you don't have to be, you know, a, 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 a policeman, right, or... Um, You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a social worker. You don't have to be any of these types of people to be involved in this, right? You can just have a home that's safe for people to come to when they're hurting, right? You can just have a culture with your children where their friends know that they can come to you if anything bad happens to them. We can be light in this world. And we can shine Right, the, the whole purpose is to show the world that God is real. That this vision that we have seen of the tree and the water and the face and the throne and the praise and the light is real. And that we are the ambassadors of that kingdom. And that where we are, Jesus is. 
That's, that's, that's what we are testifying about as we stand in the gap for others. That we have a hope that is so sure, right? We will risk it all so that others can be part of that light too. And so we've examined together how we can practice intentional care like our teacher Jesus did under the three headings we've seen in Revelation 22, right? Of healing the nations, reversing the curse, shining light into darkness. And I want to end just by reading parts of Revelation 22 again. So if you want to, you can close your eyes. You can just look at me, right? Um, I'm going to skip some verses and just read, read Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God And of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord The God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say come, and that the one who hears say come, and that the one who is thirsty come, and that the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy's book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of The Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you have practiced intentional care. We only have to look to Jesus to see what it can be and to understand what it's like. And Jesus, we understand that you have given us all we need to practice care through your spirit. There's experience, right? There's, there's going into deep in our own sin. There's, there's living a, a focused and a seeking life. There's um, things that we grow in and mature in. But at its core, at its root, already today, we have all that we need to be agents of change in this world. That we have everything we need for the longing that we have for that day and the, the, the difference between that day and this day and seeing the gap. 
We have everything we need to try to bring healing and, and reverse, reversal of the curse and, and light in this dark world. Because we have your spirit, Lord. We, we who have put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus' name and, and who confess that everything that Jesus has done, he has done for me. And now because of that, I am bought by the, by the son of God and I am not my own but I've been bought with a price and I belong to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ, who has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That is our confession. We have been bought and we belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in that security, in that comfort, in that protection, we can be caring. And so, Lord, I pray that today people's minds would be filled with the ways that you want them to grow. I pray that they would be filled with motivation and follow through to be those people that you have called them to be. I pray your blessing upon your church here that is gathered. I pray that their hearts would be full of you and that as they, as they absorb your light and your sun and your warmth and your heat, that as they go about their lives, that light would shine from their faces like Moses's did. And that the, the heat would radiate from their bodies, warming those around them. And Lord, I pray that the, that the world would see our good deeds And they would glorify our Father, you in heaven. That we would get none of the praise, none of the acclaim, none of the accolades, none of the Facebook followers or Instagram people, Lord, but that your name would be made great. That we would jettison all desire to be famous, to be known, to be uh, uh, respected and well-liked. But we would go to where the weak are. That we would go outside the city. And that we would find Jesus there. That we would abandon uh, what, what we think we need. And that we would pursue in obedience the call of Jesus. That we would be fully trained like our teacher. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.